Hey now, and welcome to the Elevate Yourself podcast. I'm Rob, and I am thrilled to get to be the host of this show. I feel super lucky. I work for this awesome company called Elevation Corporate Health. And in each episode of the Elevation Corporate Health podcast, I get to have a conversation with folks from all different walks of life about how they elevate themselves. It's my hope that these conversations will make you think, force you to change your best, and as a result, help you get a little closer to becoming the best version of you. Annie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for doing this. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. So tell folks where you work, kind of what you do. You do a whole bunch of different things. So just kind of let everybody know overall the different projects and things that you're working on at the moment. Yeah, so I'm um, a program manager at the University of Kentucky, and I manage programs for for some federal grants. Most of them focus on the eastern part of Kentucky, um, and they really focus on getting fresh fruits and vegetables to more people, especially um, people who are food insecure. So that's kind of managing those projects is on the work side. I'm also a registered dietitian, so that kind of helps with, um, you know, getting recipes out to people, talking to people about nutrition and health. Um, and then I'm also currently writing my dissertation in anthropology, and a lot of my research for that is related to the work I've done in Eastern Kentucky and a lot of the people I've talked to out there and met out there. Um, and so my dissertation is really about food procurement and eating. Um, as people in Eastern Kentucky experience it. Um, and so I talk a little bit about disordered eating, um, about gardening, and then a little bit about COVID because it's hard to not talk about COVID um, these days. So that's kind of the short short and sweet. <laughs> short and sweet. Anybody out there that thinks they're busy, um, just let that sink in of all the things that Annie just said she's doing. Um, absolutely amazing. So I guess back up just a little bit and then um, kind of your background, undergrad, your master's, RD, how did kind of, what, what did that journey look like? Yeah, it was all over the place. Um, <laughs> so I have a bachelor's in history and anthropology from Westchester University, which is in Pennsylvania, which is where I'm originally from. Um, then I moved to Kentucky to work on a PhD in anthropology, but I wound up leaving after two years of coursework um, to become a registered dietitian. So after I became a dietitian is when I started working at UK. um, And then I got my master's in anthropology. um, And my advisor, who was different from my original advisor, uh, kind of very gently convinced me to stay on and pursue the PhD. So that's, that's where I am now. So great. Um, You mentioned intuitive eating, and I know that you're a certified intuitive eating counselor. Could you give everyone just kind of a a brief overview of intuitive eating and maybe just some of the principles? Because I I know it gets thrown around a lot. I know that social media, that that term gets kind of tossed around. So I just love a little bit of a a background in the principles and the work that you do with it. Yeah, you're right. Intuitive eating does get thrown around a lot. And I think, you know, there are some better... um, you know, social media accounts or um, books and resources out there than others. Um, So intuitive eating is a, it's a framework for approaching food and eating. 
Um, it's a process. It's a journey. It is not a set of steps. It is not rules. I think that's a very important part of it. Um, because I would say one of the fundamental but unspoken aspects of intuitive eating is that it really encourages flexibility um, rather than a lot of the rigid thinking that a lot of us tend to approach food with. So there's 10 principles in intuitive eating. Um, I won't go through all of them um, because that's, I mean, that's like a three hour discussion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so for example, the first one is honestly, maybe one of the most difficult, but the first one is reject the diet mentality. Um, and so this is starting to become aware of all of the messages around food that we receive every day um, that tell us what not to eat, what healthy food is, um, that really sets us on a path of rigid eating and also often sets us, sets us on a path of disordered eating. Um, and so the first, I said it wasn't steps, but the first principle is really where a lot of people start because it's so important to kind of work through all of those really rigid messages that were taught um, over the course of our lives in order to really get back in touch with our hunger cues, get back in touch with our fullness cues, and be able to build some of that um, flexibility around eating, be able to build some of that intuitive sense of you know, what our bodies need, what our minds need, what our emotions need in order to be healthy. I, that's really great. And which I think the, the rejection of the diet culture that you talked about, it's confusing for people. Um, I hear that a lot. You know, there's always, a, there's a news story where somebody goes, oh, I heard that this isn't healthy now, or this isn't this, or I have to do this to lose weight. Or it, it's just, it's a, a lot of information coming at folks. And I, I think that's what I appreciate the most about intuitive eating and that, that it's a process and that things don't have to be black and white because life isn't black and white and it's okay to be in the gray. Um, you mentioned the fullness cues and hunger cues. I would love for you to kind of share that scale and that rating. Um, this has been helpful for me personally when I think about this and kind of just having that reflection before eating. And that to me, I think that, that that's really the key. Yeah. So in intuitive eating, two of the other principles are honor your hunger and respect your fullness. And so there's um, a scale, a hunger fullness scale that goes from zero to 10. And we tend to talk about five as being fairly neutral. You're not hungry. You're not full. You're not really thinking about food at all. And zero to four or five is hungry. And then five or six to 10 is full. And I really encourage people to sit down. You only have to do this really once and think through what does it feel like when you are starving? You know, you're at a zero, you, you know, are showing all of your signs of really needing to eat. And then on the other hand, what does it feel like when you're at a 10, which is, you know, Thanksgiving day full, you know, you had half a turkey and an entire pie. How does that feel to you? Um, and then kind of look at each number and try to really determine where you feel those subtle differences in hunger and fullness. Because the goal is to start eating when you're at about a you know, two or three because if you start eating when you're at a zero, chances are you're going to eat and eat and eat until you're at a 10 because you're so hungry, you're going to shoot past all of your fullness cues. Um, 
So really trying to determine, you know, how do I feel at a two and a half, a three, when I know I need to eat something? And then how do I feel when I'm at a you know six, seven, when I should maybe, you know, stop eating because I don't want to be in that Thanksgiving day pain of a 10. Um, and, you know, you can return to that scale over time because chances are, as you do this, you'll learn more about yourself. You'll pick up on more cues, whether it's your energy level, um, your mental processes, and you'll kind of be able to add to that scale and refine it. Um, and also be okay with sometimes, sometimes you're going to eat till 10. That's just going to happen. And that's okay. Right. I think that that's, that's so great. And I can tell you what it looks like when I'm at a zero, it's not pretty. Um, I like to think that I'm a fairly nice person, but uh, it gets ugly when I get to a zero. So I think it's, (laughs) it's it's not pretty. Um, The other thing that I appreciate about intuitive eating as well, and something I really try to think about, and you've talked about this before is like honoring, I, I don't know which principle it is, but like, thinking about if you want a like a crunch taste and how can you achieve that? So like, maybe you initially think like, I really want a crunch until you may initially think you want chips, but could that be, could you still get that same sense through something else that's crunchy, like a vegetable? Um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a combination of um, like discovering satisfaction, which is another principle, but also honoring your hunger. It's kind of a combination of those two. Um, because when you're thinking about, you know, you're at that two or three and you're thinking, I'm hungry, I need to eat something, asking yourself what it is you want to eat in that moment that will satisfy you the most. And I mean, more than just satisfying your tongue, you know, what'll satisfy your mind, what'll satisfy your energy level. Um, if you're able to narrow it down to, you know, I want something hot because I want to, I want to honor my physical hunger, but I also want to honor my hunger for comfort. Um, But adding that layer of, I know in two hours, I need to give a lecture or I need to go give a presentation. And so if I have something hot, like, oh, I don't even know, a hot chocolate and I don't know, something that would not maintain your energy level, kind of being aware of how that would affect your energy level may encourage you to choose something with, you know, a whole grain or um, a little bit of fat just to keep your blood sugar and your energy level stable as you go into your day. So I feel like that was almost an answer to your question, but I kind of went down a rabbit hole. (laughs) No, it was a good rabbit hole. And I, I think that's the other thing when we think about the process of it as well. And really being in tune with your, with yourself and your, your cues of saying, how am I going to feel later based off of what I have going on? And, um, you know, uh, saying I I may really want this other thing, but I know that I am going to feel tired and, uh, my energy level is going to be low and you using that to help you, uh, you know, perform at your best in throughout the course of the day. Yeah. And I mean, there are times that it's okay. You know, if you're like, I have nothing going on today, you know, I don't need to think about how I'm going to feel in two hours. Um, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I, yes. Especially around the holidays. Like, yes, <laughs> like bring, bring it on, bring it on. Yes. I'm gonna, we'll be on the couch watching a bunch of movies. Let's, let's do it. Um, <laughs> talking about the holidays and then talking about the new year. Um, 
New Year's resolutions are hard. Um, I've worked in the, the the fitness industry for a long time. First week of January, gym is packed at 6 a.m. First week of February, gym is pretty empty at 6 a.m. Um, do you have any actionable things, and maybe it comes from intuitive eating or some of your work that you think a person can do when they think about setting up New Year's resolutions or things that they want to change about their routine? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and I guess I would want to start by saying that there is, there's a lot of excitement around the new year. Um, you know, there's a lot of cultural energy because so many people are thinking about these changes they want to make. But I just want to say that if you don't feel that, you know, you can, you can make a change at any time. You can, um, you know, start doing whatever it is you want to do in the middle of June, if that's when you feel like that change needs to happen. But if you do want to kind of take advantage of this cultural momentum of the new year, I think this is not a very satisfying answer, but I think sitting down and kind of like working through your values and what they are and how you can live more in alignment with those values um, would be like the first step. There's a quote that I can't remember who said it, but it's, if you know the why, the how will follow. And so if you're able to sit down and say, I know why I want to do this, how you're going to do it becomes that much easier. Um, and I also want to say, like you mentioned people going to the gym. I think a lot of times around New Year's, a lot of people say, my New Year's resolution is to lose weight. Yeah. But losing weight isn't a behavior. Right. It can be a byproduct of byproducts. Maybe. Yes. But um, you know, if you even if you say something like, I'm going to cut out all cake, that may not align with your values because the second you go to a birthday party or a celebration of some kind, you're no longer participating in that social act of celebrating. And you're going to become, a lot of times people get so rigid around New yeah. Year's resolutions. Um, and that kind of winds up making them fall off of whatever the re resolution was. It makes it harder to maintain a behavior change if you're being rigid around it. Um, so to kind of back up or state this differently, I guess, um, my, the first step I would say would be to kind of figure out what, what values you want to embody or um, align your behaviors with. Mm -hmm. And then from there, decide what behaviors are achievable and then do your best, but like be kind to yourself, maintain flexibility. Um, you don't have to be perfect, you know, like just because you make a resolution doesn't mean you have to be perfect at it. Um, you can always start again the next day. You can always take a week off. I think just alleviating some of the pressure we put on ourselves, I guess, would also be another difficult, but um, another thing I would recommend, I guess. It's so good. And I, I really uh, agree with several of those things that you shared. The why um, becomes the how, and then also being actionable and flexible. And when we talk about weight loss, um, just thinking about goes back to the intuitive eating that we talked about and just focusing on the process and why you're doing the things that you're doing. Um, and then let, if weight comes and follows, great. But, you know, the idea is that you're, you're going to the gym to, to move your body because it feels good to move your body. And, you know, you're going to have energy throughout the rest of your day. And um, 
whatever that why is for you, making it that be the driver as opposed to that byproduct. Um, yeah. I, I really also, seen, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the other thing with going to the gym is I think a lot of people get it in their minds that it's not real exercise unless they're, you know, benching 500 pounds and running a marathon. But like, if you're moving your body and you're having fun and you're getting some, some glimmer of joy out of it, no matter what you're doing, that's a good thing. That's great. That's a, that's a really good point. And if you read the, on this topic, um, uh, James Clear, uh, Atomic Habits. Um, I haven't. He's, he's got this story in there about this person that wanted to go to the gym. And I think this goes back to the actionable and flexibility. And this person had never really gone to the gym before. And so for this person, they just went to the gym for five minutes every day for like a month. And that then became his, his point in the book is that then became a, a, a habit for this individual that they're a person that goes to the gym, but they, they didn't do what you just talked about that we had to go and do this crazy long workout. And all. it was like, no, I, I just want to get in the routine of doing this because this is something that I want to do um, that aligns with my values. Um, and that, that then became a consistent thing that happened for that person. Yeah. And really finding a way to make it fun too. Like, Play a new, play some new music or I don't know, anything that could just make it enjoyable. Like, I feel like we approach exercise so much as a punishment and it can be so fun. <laughs> true. I mean, it's so true. Like, it, right. Why does it have to be pain? It shouldn't be painful. It should be enjoyable. You should leave feeling energized, I, I believe. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, we, we talked at the beginning about all the things that you're doing. This is uh, a question that I ask kind of selfishly for myself because I'm on a mission to try to get myself more organized, but, um, do you have anything that you do to keep yourself organized? Is it a calendar or you do a, a journal kind of what, what are the things that you utilize for yourself? That's a good question. Um, I do. I think I'm, I think partially I'm one of those really frustrating people that is kind of like, I like things to be organized just enough. Um, I do use a calendar just so I don't forget things. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, I think I, I also have some anxiety around deadlines. Um, I don't know why, but if there's something on the calendar for December 21st, like I have to get it done December 19th, that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I would not say I have a conscious or uh, particularly mindful approach to organization. <laughs> Which is not a great answer to that question. <laughs> well, it sounds like you, you have a, a healthy balance of it, but you've got the things there. You have your deadlines, but at the same time, um, you, you are, you're open and flexible. So you, you're actionable and flexible. Maybe, I think that that's, that's, that's really great. That's a very kind way of rephrasing that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, what is a question I love to ask? What is one thing you do every single day that elevates you? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, so I would, so I, I would, I'll read something like fiction, um, even if it's just a paragraph, um, just getting into a different world for a minute or 10 minutes or an hour, I think 
just helps to ground me, helps to elevate me, I guess. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I do that every day. Yeah. That's great. Um, and then best purchase you've made in the last year for less than $10. The $10 to spend. <laughs> yeah, I love this question. Um, so I would say a packet of seeds. Um, I bought a bunch of packets of seeds in the spring. Um, but I bought a bunch of herb seeds like lemon balm and stuff and they did surprisingly well. I was able to dry a bunch of it and it got me into making my own herbal teas, which was oh kind of surprising. Right. And it was cheap, you know, a packet of seeds is like $2. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love that answer. I love that <laughs> answer so much. All right, there you go. I'm going to go find the packet of seeds. Maybe that'll be my, my, my new year thing. Um, <laughs> one meal, uh, maybe you want to be a 10, like my, my meal, my one go-to meal. And I know I'm going to feel a, a 10 on the fullness scale is my grandmother's fried chicken. Do you have a meal that's, um, kind of a, a go-to favorite meal for you? Ooh, probably the first thing that came to mind was I make like a butternut squash mac and cheese where it's, um, you know, like half, butternut squash and half cheese and spices, um, garlic and onion. And then you mix that up with pasta and bake it. And it's just creamy and satisfying and comforting. Um, yum. <laughs> yes. That's, that sounds like all of those things. Uh, you already gave us one, one quote, but do you have a, do you have a favorite quote or anything that you maybe lean on to during times of, uh, struggle or strain or where stress is high? Do you have a, a favorite quote? Ooh, I was not prepared for this. It's okay. Oh. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I have a favorite quote, but I think there are definitely stories that I go back to. Um, yeah, like I, I loved, I read Lord of the Rings when I was a kid, the trilogy. And so when I'm really feeling stressed out, I would pick up one of them and, you know, read a few paragraphs. Uh, so I would say kind of, you know, returning to some of those stories I do when I'm, I've, you know, needing something. I really like this idea of reading some fiction and reading something else to take yourself away from it. And it feels so much better. I feel myself, and I know for a lot of people, um, that when you want a distraction, um, like at the end of the day, when I'm super just like, oh, it's, oh, I can't do anymore. I can't write anymore. I can't read anymore. I, it's, we, we go to social media or the internet and I, I'll spend 30 minutes and I, my brain turns off and I scroll through the slot machine on Instagram. Um, but this idea of reading something, uh, I really like that of taking your mind off of the work. That's really great. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, and it's like simple things like, um, Stephen King is really easy. It's just really easy to read. You can kind of shut your brain off, but also get lost in this other world. You know, anything that's just not, not difficult, but entertaining. I love it. <laughs> Final question. Um, do you have a, a favorite song? Um, maybe it's for a run or maybe it's at work or maybe it's, you know, like I need a little pick me up. I'm going to play this song. Do you have a, a, a go-to song at the moment? I don't. It really depends on my mood. I feel like I'm all over the place. Um, for working out, it's usually um, like hip hop or if I'm in the mood, metal or um, like, I don't know, I guess like alternative rock from like the 2000s. <laughs> nice, nice. It really depends on my mood. <laughs> 
Nice. I, I could jam on all of that. I could jam on all <laughs> those things. Uh, Annie, thank you so much for doing this. Is there anywhere folks could find you or learn more about you and some of the work that you're doing? Um, I mean, you're welcome to email me, but unfortunately my website is not where it should be. Um, so if you want to share my email address, I'm more than happy. If anyone wants to talk, I'm always happy to talk. I'll do that. I'll I will throw that in the show notes, folks. Um, Annie, thank you so much for doing this. This has been an absolute treat. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, this is fun. I mentioned I am proud to work for Elevation Corporate Health. We've been in business for over 26 years, creating customizable solutions for your fitness and wellness needs. That's right, folks. 26 years. Do you know only 25% of businesses make it 15 years or more? It's just one of the many reasons why you can trust Elevation Corporate Health because we've seen it all. And whatever your needs might be, we've got you covered from fitness management and online training to on-site classes, integrated technology. We help small and large groups alike get healthy and stay engaged. I encourage you to learn more about us at elevationcorporatehealth.com and to follow us on social media at Elevation Corporate Health. And if you're an Elevation member, at Elevation Members.